Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Casey Lett Gordon, who is happily taking time off right now. So happy for her. I met Casey when she led the strategy team at 352, which is an innovation and growth firm. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, Casey's LinkedIn bio describes herself as a connector and a problem solver, and I can't agree more. She's smart, she's professional, she's a great servant leader, and she can read the room as well as anyone I know. I was lucky enough to have her interview me for one of her off-the-record events, and today I have the privilege to interview her in return. So welcome to the podcast, Casey. Thank you, Paul. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I love what you're doing, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, let's start off with a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? I am from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and depending on who you talk to, it's either the southernmost point of Northern Virginia or the northernmost part of Southern Virginia. So we are smack dab in the middle of DC and Richmond. Gotcha. And so um, do you come from a big family, small family, small town? I come from, we will call a modern family. I have, um, so my mom and dad both had children from previous marriages, Mm -hmm. had me together, and then my mom is remarried and I have two new sisters. So there are four girls, two boys, uh, lots of step parents, half siblings, all of us, but everybody happily gets along. And so the interesting thing is I, um, I now have stepsisters that are very close to my age, but growing up, I was the youngest by 15 years. So I grew up kind of with, um, you know, several sets of parents or at least older role models. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that sets the stage for just learning how to adapt, um, how to work well with others. And, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a different experience growing up uh, as say an only child, because you learn early about negotiations and sharing and compromise, um, as well as communication. So, um, probably, probably was a cornerstone for you, uh, getting into how, how things worked today. But, um, so you were, you were in, um, Virginia. Did you, uh, did, were you in Virginia until, um, until college or what was the- yeah, so born and raised in the same same town and okay. both my parents um, from there. And so, you know, fairly small town growing up. I, you know, we are closer to larger cities. So there was exposure. It's not, you know, wasn't one stoplight kind of thing, but definitely smaller town. A lot of people, you know, if they did go to college, went locally and then many times came back. And from a pretty early age, um, is sometimes to my parents, uh, not not so much delight. I was really adamant on going away. I knew I wanted something bigger, and the the dream for a long time was um, working in TV, working in journalism in a major market like a New York. And so that was kind of the the headline for me. And I knew I just wanted to to get out. I I loved where I was from. I had, you know, a very, very good childhood, so to speak, but I was ready for something different. So um, when it came time to go to college, I I wanted far away. Um, I I was between two two schools. So I had applied to what I'll call like the big cheerleader schools, Virginia Tech, UNC, University of Florida, Clemson. I, I wanted the big. And if you think about, I was born and raised in the same town, you know, people mm-hmm. I went to kindergarten with were who I graduated with. Yeah. I'd never really been the new kid. So I was really looking forward to, to that big environment. Um, well, it sounds like you, you really like a challenge too. Cause I know for some people that would be overwhelming, but you almost were um, looking forward to something different and experiencing something different. Right. I was, I was, it was, and that's such a strong thing that's, I think, been throughout my life. And and sometimes now something I try to temper a bit is almost this like 
underdog mentality, right? Like proving that you can, like, right, from a small town, want to prove that you could do a big city or mm-hmm. um, want to move away, want to, you know, chart my own path. And I love that. That part has served me well. But I think at times that can also be, um, it can be exhausting, right? To, to have that grind, so to speak. And so yeah. it's something with age I've had to learn to, to use for good and, and temper when it, when it could be, could be, I don't know, negative or draining. Yeah, well, it's good you can tap into that for motivation when you need to, but recognize when, hey, why am I so exhausted? It's Wednesday at eight, and I'm falling asleep on the couch, you know, like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, I've been burning the candle at both ends for three months, and yeah, it's time. Your body's telling you something. Yeah, I, I credit that to uh, good friends, good family, good <laughs> therapist, and good career coach, so uh, we can get into any of those, but yeah, that is all. Highly recommend all of them, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you did mention talking about broadcast and some of the um, things that you thought you'd be interested in. Did you, in, were you involved in any of those activities in high school? And is that what sort of sparked that interest? So I, you know, so I, I don't love to talk about this, but I will. So I, um, when I was in high school, I competed in beauty pageants and yeah. right now my, I kind of like roll my eyes at it because I, I don't love all the things it stands for, but what I saw is, especially if you looked at a lot of the news anchors, and you still see this today, many of them used pageants and platforms like that as a way to springboard mm-hmm. into large markets. And so um, I competed, I was I was Miss Fredericksburg, and I competed in Miss Virginia twice. And um, it, I think it gave me polish. It, uh-huh. it totally did, right? Like being able to tell your story in a fixed period of time, being able to understand what judges or audiences might be looking like, being able to, to have a whole package and do your point around uh, the challenge, like storytelling has always been a big part of it. So I, I wasn't involved. I was involved in everything in high school. I was student body president. I, um, you know, was key club. I did cheerleading. I was involved in a lot. But as far as things that were on my career path, I would say pageants were really that thing. And it was a means to an end for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that I didn't always feel like it. I fit completely into that world. You know, I, I think that when a lot of people learned that about me, it was kind of, it was surprising um, because I didn't maybe fit the, the stereotype of it, but I loved the doors it could open and recognizing that I was from a smaller town. I wasn't from, you know, my family didn't have, you know, huge connections or inroads to certain places. It was thinking about how could I creatively open doors that maybe weren't open to me to begin with. Well, and I think, you know, that's, I think you sort of balance that out really well, because um, I think for people who aren't involved in pageants, you know, there's sort of that stereotype that you look at and, you know, that they're, they're not very smart or they're just, uh, you know, just looking physically at attributes, but there's a lot more that goes into it. We actually have a neighbor who's been involved in that. And I've known her since she was, you know, she's my, my kid's age. And um, it's, it's open doors for her, not only for like scholarships and, and learning opportunities in college, but to your point, you start to you start to figure out all those nuances around, you know, who am I? How do I present myself verbally? And then you get involved in things too. So there's a networking component. Um, there's a lot that you get in terms of just being able to speak well. And so I think um, you can knock on that just like probably any other things. I mean, my daughter was involved in dance and, you know, there's those dance moms that, you know, they have their own shows and they're crazy. But for the most part, people are pretty pretty level-headed and there's things that you can learn from any activity that you do. So uh, that's, that's really great to hear. I just want to make sure that, that, um, you know, people understand that the pageants could be certainly a means to an end without it being just a superficial, you know, um, bathing suit show, you know, or whatever. So. And that's something that, you know, I think that 
I, I learned of really setting goals with that. The interview process was always the most complex, right? Like you, you get a pretty enough dress or you, you know, work out for a bathing suit competition or any of those things, but it's really the complexity of being in a room as, you know, a 19 year old girl really Mm -hmm. young and sitting there and telling your story when you don't necessarily maybe have stories to tell yet. How do you call on those experiences? So I I completely agree the the elements of it that I take with me today, I think are, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for them. I now have a daughter of my own. And when I think about what I want her competing in those, I, I try to think of what are other creative outlets that she could, she could accomplish similar things without maybe going that path. So it's interesting, just perspective change over time. Yeah. Did you have to get a coach for some of the things that went into those pageants? I did. I did. I worked with several coaches and I think, you know, just having, it, it's something that I continue today. You know, I have a career coach. I've, I go to therapy, all of those things. And I think just recognizing the, the value of outside perspectives, people to see you and help you flourish to be your best version, not you becoming a carbon copy of someone else, right? Because one, that's not authentic. Two, it's draining. And so I think that's been the biggest, the biggest journey of my own is recognizing I don't have to to be that copy. It's it's what are the unique things that I've been through and how do I just be true to that story? Because like any of us, you know, that that's probably a lot of your reason behind this is just hearing the stories of who people are so powerful. Exactly. Well, that's, that's a great story. So um, college, so you're looking at some big schools. Where did you wind up going? I ended up at Virginia Tech and a couple of reasons. Um, So big school, I was between University of Florida and Virginia Tech. Um, Mm -hmm. Both have pretty good broadcast programs. You can look at both and see, you know, anchors that we all know today have gone to both programs. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my parents, they said, okay, you're going to be 12 hours away. You're going to be four hours away. Please be four hours away. But it was really the um, one in-state tuition as well. You know, let's, yep. let's be realistic about it. So what opportunities exist out of state that, you know, if it was, it'd be one thing if you were getting into, you know, Yale or Harvard, it's another thing when you're looking at two comparable state schools. Right. And then finally, um, the, you know, some of the listeners, especially if they're high school age now may not recall, but I started the fall after the Virginia Tech shooting. Mm. And I went, it was uh, the last week that college acceptance was, you know, open. It was basically like, you got to let them know. And I went, um, the shooting was on April 16th. And I think this was maybe April 30th or so that we went down there. And it was this beautiful memorial, you know, tragic, but beautiful memorial that had been put forth. But right past it, there were these students that were playing on the quad, you know, they were doing Frisbee and out there. And it was just this like, sense of community in the sense that something tragic and terrible has happened, but this university is strong and look at the like community and the friendships and the people that are still here. And so it was this very, um, you know, unique and, and moment. And I'm grateful that I had it and um, ended up just saying like, I think this is the place that I can feel at home um, and, and a sense of community. So that's yeah. how I ended up at Virginia Tech. Wow. And that's, that says a lot about the community to take something so tragic and turn it into, you know, um, a, a positive, you know, yeah. I guess, rally for that town. I mean, Blacksburg is not a huge town, but it's certainly a big college. And um, I think for, for them to sort of, you know, recognize the, the, the weight of what's happened here as well as to continuing to, you know, store their, um, their culture going forward is, is really tremendous. Totally. That just that gave me chills as you were talking about it. Cause it, it totally is true. It's, it's a unique place for those that haven't been there. It's, it's very special, you know, tucked away in the mountains of Virginia. So yeah. it, was, 
it was, um, I think gave me the, the big college experience, but also, you know, had some really wonderful elements of, of home too. Yeah. So did you, what would, would you start out majoring in? Did you, um, did you go straight into <laughs> communications or broadcast? I did. So I started out in communications and broadcast. Those were, that was the, the focus. And I actually had a double major in Spanish. Um, in high school, I had been very fortunate. I had the same Spanish teacher all four years. And so there's something that builds, especially with a foreign language, when you're able to build with, you know, the same teacher. And that's not something you often have in, in yeah. you know, regular education. And um, so I was, I had just really fallen in love with that. She was from Valencia, Spain, and um, was just a wonderful like person. So, so impactful to me. So I studied Spanish and communications and I felt like, you know, okay, that could open up so many doors, especially like international reporting and storytelling. Um, my junior year, I, and I, I tell the story of college. So I had never been, I'd never been the new kid and I went to a school with, you know, 30,000 people and I was the new kid. And so there was a lot of like, in hindsight, I, I may have chosen a smaller university of, of finding one that, that might've allowed me to be a new kid in a smaller environment because it, it was challenging. I didn't do Greek life. And I think that's the role that, you know, in large universities, sometimes that has, but yeah. um, that was one of the things that was challenging. So my, I, I stumbled my way through, I, I did go home a lot. It wasn't, um, it was really a, a moment of adversity, you know, to your point, I was excited to like challenge myself, push and felt a little bit like I, I had failed in some ways of I'm here in this big university, but I haven't found deep, meaningful relationships. My major, I enjoyed the courses. I did Virginia Tech TV. So I did some anchoring there on campus, you know, tried to get involved. It was in the Society for Professional Journalists. And then my junior year, I interned in DC at NBC. So great, you know, great station and local news is national news. So a lot of great things. And I hated it. Wow. <laughs> um, so we can get into that. But it was one of those where it was my major. I was involved there. And then when I got out into the real world, the things that I thought I was going to enjoy, I didn't. And yeah. it was it was kind of a crap. What do, what do I do? Now? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, in, in you and I are obviously we've got the benefit of experience. And so you can look back and go, thank goodness you found that out as an internship rather than you, you know, traveling to these really small towns to do small media broadcasts. And then you're like, you're five years in and you realize I, I, I can't do one more day of this, you know? And so uh, better to sort of expose yourself to those things while you're in school and, and really try to understand if this is something you could do or what you're passionate about. Right. Totally. And my mom has this, this saying that she's reminded me of so many times and it really has served me is it's okay to know what you don't want to do because that sometimes is just as important as what you do want to do. Yeah, for sure. So being able to check that list off too. And I think so often, especially young people, it's like, you know, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? And I'm sure you, you know, you and I can both laugh at that because I, I still am figuring that out. As yep. you said, I'm, I'm happily unemployed right now, happily taking time off. And so that is still a pursuit and um, being able to reframe things to say like, Hey, this wasn't a failure. I just realized this is something I'm not passionate about, or this is not what I want to do. And then also asking the questions, but what elements did I like? And the things that I really, the things I didn't like about journalism were um, it was moving away from great storytelling. So this is as the internet was becoming the primary um, medium that you were publishing stories is it was less about good storytelling. It was about fast storytelling. And the other piece was around um, 
it was kind of a one man band. And so where it used to be, you know, great writers and great video shoots, it was you're out on your own with a handheld and, and doing all of it. And it just realized like so much of the art and the things that I was really in love with, that wasn't there. But what I did love was media as an organization. I was fascinated about how news stations were changing, how they made money. Um, so I really liked the, the organization part of it. It was just the day-to-day function that I had thought I would enjoy didn't end up being my thing. Yeah, that's really introspectful because I think that you, you do, uh, you know, I, we're on a podcast, obviously, and that's one of the things that I've struggled with is when you watch a TV or a radio interview with, you know, an actor or a sports figure or somebody that you wanted to hear something about, and then you've got, okay, tell me a 30-second clip. Okay, we got to go to commercial. Okay, now here's weather next and traffic. Or, you know, you're like, no, wait a minute. Well, let's get back to this guy because he's only here for this morning, right? Let's talk to him for 30 minutes rather than hearing the same shtick. And, um, you know, so I think that you were definitely onto something earlier around how do you expand that storytelling without getting into this mold of old school from the 50s broadcast situation, right? Yeah, and that's been, you know, I think that, again, it all makes sense in hindsight, and, and I'm sure we'll get into some, some advice or lessons learned, <laughs> but it's, it's the ability to look back and find meaning in those things. And I look at, you know, the, the past six years, much of my work has been around corporate innovation and strategy and change and change is so much of that is storytelling any executive all of you know so much of business is that it's recognizing what are the the competing pressures and I learned you know it's I didn't realize it at the time but looking back that's what I was drawn to it was it was an organization amidst change and how do people adapt and and do and so you know I I've seen that several times as when I, moments I've flourished mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it at the time so hindsight's you know always gives you that perspective. So you come back from D.C., realize what you thought was going to be great wasn't so great. What do you do with a, a year or two years left in college? Um, tell my parents that it will be okay because they're like, hey, you have a journalism degree. What the heck are you going to do? Uh-huh. Um, I had also studied abroad during this time. So I had gone to Valencia, Spain. I had been abroad. So I, I really I loved being abroad. I loved the, you know, how much my mind expanded. But in that environment, I, I went through a program. I went to Virginia Tech, but my program was through UVA. And it was a smaller environment. And I realized that was an area that I really thrived because I was able to make more one-on-one connections. I was able to learn differently, learn better than, you know, the 500 person class, et cetera. So um, I started to observe, I came back and did then began to focus on cinema studies. And at that point, I would love to say it was something that, you know, was really intentional, but I had a professor I loved and um, I really loved, you know, some of the courses he was doing and I, it was able to round up my major. So there's not any big aha. I took some cool classes on like the classic Western and and it was more at that point like I'm interested in this but how do I pivot this to what's next and I realized I was I probably needed to go to grad school I needed some specialization and I had a dear friend that um, had gone to Elon University in North Carolina for those that may or maybe aren't familiar it's a, a small liberal liberal arts college um, in the triangle area so it's around UNC Duke Wake Forest but much smaller and they had an emerging program, I think they and Stanford at the time. So, you know, I, I, I in Virginia had not heard much of Elon. I think it's more common in the Southeast, but didn't know much about it. But I knew it was a smaller university. I knew my girlfriend had done that undergrad, really enjoyed it. And they had this emerging program called a Master's in Interactive Marketing and Media. And it was meant to be um, an accelerated course that got you all things, tangible things of how to break into the digital business world. And actually, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I think oh, at the time, 
that was pretty rare. And so getting into that kind of at the ground floor, I think was really uh, probably a good advantage for you, wasn't it? It, it was awesome. And you know, it's, it's funny how things work out. So my best friend and I were going to do this program together. Um, my parents were like, yeah, we, we think it's a good idea. You know, you'll, you'll be more employable, right? Like you, you have a journalism degree, but don't want to do mm-hmm. journalism. So like, let's get some tangible skills. Right. Uh, given it was a new program, you know, the professors and, and faculty were really pouring into it to make it work. So I, I, you know, so fortunate that I was one of those early classes. I think we were the second one through. And then um, I, it was a small course, right? I think there were like 30 of us. And so the ability to learn from students, some who were right out of undergrad, others who were, um, you know, had been the, their profession for 10 years and were coming back, like it, it was it was incredible. And it was by far the best thing I've done. Do I think everybody needs a master's degree? No, but did I need it to have confidence and connections and learning personal and academic? Absolutely. It yeah. is the foundational piece for me. That's great. I want to also ask you about your study abroad program. Cause I know obviously you had a, you had a background in Spanish. So going there wasn't such a big deal, at least from the language perspective, but what did you, what did you think going to study abroad uh, was going to help you? And what did you, what were some of your, your lessons that you got coming back? Yeah. So I, um, I decided to study abroad. I, I apologize to if we're getting some background. I have a dog that's very noisy. So no, this is, no. we're, keeping it, we're keeping it real here, Paul. It's 2020. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be a zoom call without a dog, right? It, it absolutely is. I feel like <laughs> 2021, we're going to miss that. Um, just kidding. No, we won't. Um, so study abroad. I decided I wanted to do it. I found a program that actually allowed me, they had an ability for me to continue my communication studies. So I was able to do both Spanish and communication. So that was really great. I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, my parents were super, you know, intent on it only being four years uh, in college. I paid for my own, you know, a lot of my own um, undergrad and grad school. So it was, it was one of those of this needs to be additive. It can't be something that's truly just for like, you know, my own fun. Right. And I was able to find that. So it's, I would compare Valencia to Chicago in the US in the sense that it's on the river. So there's a lot of, you know, I always think there's just a unique culture that comes anytime you're on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it's a city, but it was manageable. It didn't feel overwhelming like a New York or a San Francisco. It, it felt like it was approachable. Um, it you know, you never learn a language faster than when you're immersed and on campus, we could not speak English. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I lived with a family that spoke no English. So between <laughs> those two things, you very quickly, um, you know, immerse, I learned more in those, um, those four or five miles, six months abroad than I did probably in my entire time studying the language prior, just as far as being fluent and, and really understanding nuance. And so that was incredible. Um, you learn so much. I mean, you become so, I became so humble of how young America is, right? And, and mm-hmm. the fact that these are, you know, thousands of years old, they're not 400 or 500 years old. It's, yeah. it's seeing history. Um, the pace of life was so different. The ability, you know, they, whether you're a doctor or whether you're a shopkeeper, similar lifestyle, there wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of, you know, the class system is very different. And the ability to truly like enjoy like the idea of a siesta in America. I think, you know, most people would, would die at taking that kind of break, but they truly did. The towns shut down. So it was a very different pace. I think valuable to see that people could be successful and have full lives without going to the grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I loved it. I, I, yes, I got homesick. I did, you know, and it was when you're, I was there January through June and, you know, I'm in a, in an apartment that doesn't really have a full shower. It's more like a handheld and the water is pretty much cold. And so like, there's just luxuries that we have in the U S um, that, that, you know, you, you don't realize are true luxuries. So those kinds of things where, you know, you're like, I just want a warm shower and, yeah. and those kind of things that definitely wore on, but I grew so much and I, you know, I was forced to make friends. I was forced to, you know, assess relationships back home and, and grow a lot as a person. And I was fortunate that my, my mom came to visit. We had, um, uh, a holiday together, we, the Holy week there in Spain. And so that was lovely. And it was, it was amazing. I think um, I, I traveled abroad once before I did a people to people program when I was, I think, 13, which I laugh now, like the idea of sending a 13 year old to <laughs> seven countries in three weeks like that cracks me up. Um, <laughs> but it just made my world so much bigger. So I'm very fortunate. You know, my parents were not always they personally didn't necessarily do all of those things, but they pushed really hard for me to just make my world bigger. And those perspectives are so foundational. That's great. Um, you know, and, and I asked because I my kids have all done study abroad. My youngest will be doing that um, next year if the world opens up, but I didn't. And I know when I was in school, I, I had such a, such a narrow view of life. I'm like, no, I'm happy here. I like my cheeseburgers, I like my ESPN. I don't know the language. Why would I want to travel abroad? I mean, this is the best place it is, you know, anywhere. And I really didn't experience um, any sort of um, cultural immersion like you were talking about until I started working for the Olympics and then I traveled and then spent you know a couple of weeks at a time going to um, the Olympic Games and then you start to realize oh you know what I can't just order a pizza or um, you know what the internet's slow here or you know you don't know the language so you have to kind of just roll with it you can't just say do you know who I am you know I mean there's things that you appreciate and humble I think was really a key that that you mentioned earlier because it does open your eyes to that there is more to the world than just Atlanta, Georgia, USA. And I know it changed me a little bit. I definitely saw a change with my kids. And so I think for anybody kind of thinking about study abroad, you know, it's certainly there's a cost to it, but I think from a lifetime perspective of education and learning, I think it's, you can't put a price on that. I could not agree more. And to your point, you know, always the financial means is a piece of it, right? That's a real yeah. part of the world, but I will say I, I found amazing scholarships. I mean, if you are willing to do the work, put in the work of essays or, you know, applications, getting creative, there's so many options out there. And I, I only have one daughter. I'm a year in of, of parenthood, but to me, it's, it's a must. It's, it's, you've got to realize that the world and, and everything is so much bigger than, than what we see. And I just think it, it changes you fundamentally. So I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, I uh, think it's cool that, that all of your children have had that. Yeah. So it's, um, and they all got different pieces out of it too. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly up to the individual and it is what you make of it, just like anything else, right? If you go in with a, a closed mind, cause there were some people that I'd heard from, from my kids that just, you know, they didn't do much. They stayed in the dorm room. They didn't experience yeah. life and culture. And you're like, well, that's, you're missing out. Um, I don't know why they even did that, but anyway. Totally. Yeah. So, so you come back, you're a changed person, you're fluent in Spanish, you know, all the culture, um, going through, uh, I guess going through Elan, um, what was, what was your thinking as you were, you know, finishing up your studies there? What was your think? What was the thinking that you had about my first job and, and going into the real world? Yeah, that's, um, that's great. So I, I go, I moved down there. My best friend is supposed to move with me. 
uh, her talking about study abroad, she falls in love with an Irish man, moves to Ireland. So I, wow. I know it's great. They're married now, live in DC. They, it's, it's a hilarious story for, for another time, another podcast. Um, so I moved there not knowing anyone and, you know, it was a bit jarring. I end up meeting some of my dearest friends, you know, in the entire world. And I get through my program. I had a fo- focus on, um, it was interactive marketing and media. I did my thesis around the evolving um, speed of fashion in that world, uh, um, in the digital world. So you used to think about like, you know, 25, 30 years ago, you have a runway in Milan, um, then, you know, news publications get a hold of it. It slowly trickles to the U.S. Uh, you might have high-end retailers on the cutting edge, and then it's at JCPenney and Sears, right? Like, it's yeah. so far down the line. And what was happening, as social media was on the rise, as brands were existing completely digitally, you were seeing this um, this emergence of fast fashion and how the trends were expediting cycles. And so I became fascinated with this change. And so where do you go if you work in fashion you go to new york Mm -hmm. and i go to new york elon has an amazing um alumni network so the the first lesson i learned was the power of networking right the ability of you know you go you're investing in these institutions use the resources available like it is so so important and it feels awkward to go out there and tell your story or ask for things but you know, like you and I are doing this here, like you were saying, you do mentoring all the time because I'm sure it's fulfilling to you. And everybody I've ever known like that, they're grateful to help. They just want somebody to take the initiative. So for anybody listening, networking, learn it, become expert at it, because regardless of whether you're in medicine or law or business or, you know, a yoga teacher, it's important. (laughs) So yes, it truly um, is. Yeah. So I go to New York, the, the counselor, or you know, career advisor had set me up with a handful of people in New York. And I had done some of my own, just on LinkedIn, reaching out to people who I thought, you know, I can maybe have connections with. And I, I tell the story. I was on 42nd Street. There's a coffee shop there. I'm introduced to this woman that works at Vogue. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to move to New York. My sister at the time is working in fashion in New York. Um, I'm going to move to New York. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm going to figure it out, right? Like, I, I'll make enough money, which, you know, I... I laugh now because like to make any money in New York is, is basically impossible as far as having a lifestyle, paying off student loans, et cetera. Right. Um, and then I'm like, I'll, I'll start maybe as a writer or maybe I'll get into, you know, magazine or whatever. So I meet with this woman at Vogue. She's five foot two. She's dressed in all black. She has the thickest black eyeliner. And I say she's the most intimidating five foot two person I've ever met. So I, I say that as I'm five, eight. So, you know, <laughs> she's just like, you know, this, this little ball, and I, we're sitting there and she says, what do you want to do? And I'm excited, right? I'm just finishing grad school. I feel really excited. I'm just going to move up here, figure it out. You know, I'm sure I'll have some opportunities. And she looks at me and she says, if you don't know what you want to do, the city is going to chew you up and spit you out. Now, like, let's assess this. I was 21 years old. That maybe is not the reaction to give or the response to give somebody that is trying to build their career. Maybe not the advice I'd give, but... <laughs> It was such a sobering moment for me. And I got back on the plane and I was emotional and I was crying and I called my mom and I said, I don't know if New York is for me. Maybe I've spent too much time in the Southeast, Elon, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe I, maybe I need another city. Maybe I need like to scale down. Like, but I don't know. And I felt honestly lost. I felt like I didn't know how to map all these pieces together. I felt creative. I knew I was a good writer and communicator. I liked fashion, but was it a a hobby or was it a career? 
I knew that I had student loans looming. I needed to have something to pay those. And I just didn't really know where to go. And so my mom said, you know, why don't you look at some cities in the south- Southeast and why don't you look at Atlanta? Now I had never been to Atlanta. I think I flew out of there one time, you know, as a layover. And I said, mom, I don't want to move to a small town. And she's like, okay, well go get a map and, and Google it because it's not a small town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, and so I started to do research and going back to the networking piece, I found a woman that um, I was friends with her little sister growing up and she had moved to Atlanta and we had both gone to Virginia tech. And so I reached out to her on Facebook and I said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me. Um, I see you're in Atlanta and I'm just curious, you know, I just finished this degree and do you have any ideas of what I might be able to do? So I'll pause there if you have any questions, but, but she was basically my inroad here and uh, happy to, to tell the rest of the journey of how I actually got started in the, the professional world. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I think the story is really interesting because you had to sort of make some adjustments through school. And so you're probably going to be doing some of that in, as you start your professional career. So I'd love to hear more. Totally. So she says, oh my gosh, I do remember you. Great to hear from you. I'm actually a recruiter at a digital agency that works with a lot of retail brands and we're hiring. Do you want to come down next week and do an interview? So I'm like, okay, this has gone from you know, in, in two Facebook messages, the power of network. And that was such a powerful lesson to me of just like telling people your story and what you're looking for. It doesn't mean that you're expecting something, but people are so willing to help. And so doing the work of being able to articulate where I was, you know, what was I interested in and what could opportunities be, it, it presented itself. And so I've really taken that to heart. Well, and it's, you know, you think about that plane ride back from New York where your dreams crushed and, you know, what you thought was going to be great opportunity is like shattering now to, you know, I'm moving to Atlanta or thinking about Atlanta. I have no idea about the town. You thought it was smaller to here's an opportunity that's going to almost sounds like tailor made for you, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, you know, regardless of what you believe in, it's like, okay, the universe is working in a way that's revealing things. And Mm -hmm. I think that the thing I've learned is if you're open to opportunities, it may not be exactly what you scripted, but there are so many jobs out there that you didn't even know. I didn't even know existed. I'm like, somebody gets paid to do that. So it's the ability to be open. And I think setting some core values of what you're trying to learn or the kind of work you're trying to do. And so I came down to Atlanta. I interviewed, they had a junior media buying position. I, you know, math has never been my strong suit. I've had a tutor all through college and high school. And so I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And she says, listen, it's an inroad. So start here. You're going to learn a ton. And if you don't like it, whatever, you're in Atlanta, you can network and you can find your other gig, but like, it's a place to start. Yeah. And so I did, I moved down six weeks later. I didn't know anyone and, you know, got an apartment sight unseen. I, my mom and I walk in, it's 500 square feet. I can touch both walls with one, you know, just standing there. Yeah. And I, it was in Buckhead Atlanta at the time and started work and I can't put into words enough how much the past, that was eight years ago, how much Atlanta has surprised me and how much my journey is, yes, it all makes sense, but there is no world at, you know, when I moved here eight years ago that I could have mapped it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier about just being open to opportunities, because there, there are opportunities all around you. And, and for a lot of folks, it's, they struggle with trying to find that, trying to see it, or they're trying to fit an open opportunity to what 
their dream or their goal or what they thought was supposed to be, you know, what they're here for. And I think that's, that's a really powerful lesson for anybody to really understand. Yeah. And I mean, right. It's, and I'm sure you've had plenty of these. There's plenty of times I've done it. I've been open and I get in and I say, Whoa, this is not the opportunity I want. Lesson learned though. Like right now I know something I don't want to do. And that's awesome. Like to get that. And I think that, you know, the thing that's different with, with generations of the past is my parents, you know, really struggled with this of, of me changing jobs or looking at new things. The idea of loyalty to a company is what a lot of past generations are in today's world it is very common two years into a role, you may look at a new company or you may ask for a different role. And so I think that, you know, recognizing that you have to build a network and, and mentor group that understands the world you're in today, because no matter how much your parents or family, you know, mean well, they may just have different life experiences and being able to recognize that, recognize where they might be able to give value, but who else you need to have in your, your advising circle, so to speak, it was something that was really important to me too. And I had to do a lot of work on, you know, who are the people that that can help guide me to the career that I want in this modern work environment? Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. So you, um, how long were you at that first job? I was in the first role there three months and I joke, you know, that I wasn't very good at math, but really it was the fact that there was an opportunity on um, account management. And if you go back to the things I was good at storytelling, in journalism, I wanted to be the trusted advisor. I was really good at, I was a great communicator and I had just finished this degree around, you know, project management, digital business. And so I moved from media buying into um, account management. And at the time I was on the Carter's and Oshkosh account. So big retailer was pretty big for the company. And what I just did is I got in and I was hungry to learn. Um, I didn't, take the mindset of it's not my job. It was more around how can I just absorb as much as possible because I have no idea what the heck I want to do long term. And it was always an opportunity. I tried to really, you know, pour into the relationships of, and not in a transactional way. And I think this is something that younger folks have to be careful of, of not being, you know, trying to, to network up in a transactional way, but just in an authentic way of if there were company happy hours or culture events, being able to really be present and, tell my story and, you know, going back to the, to the pageant thing of how do you tell stories in short period of time and those interviews and present yourself. Those were all things that, that really, you know, helped me in those initial years when I really didn't have a ton necessarily to offer maybe on the professional front, but I was just somebody that was young and hungry and looking to learn. Yeah. And um, so I, I was in the account management role for there. And then Carter's came to the company and said they were going to be leaving the agency. And if you are in the agency world, you know, client churn is usually about every three years. It's not groundbreaking, but a lot of times it can send ripple effects through the company, especially job security, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, I was really curious about, you know, could this, does this mean I'm losing my job? Does this mean that I have to move on to other accounts? Are there different roles I'm going to take? And there was a company happy hour and the CEO was there and I took the opportunity. He was asking me how I felt about it. And, um, you know, I, I tried just to be really authentic and honest, you know, yes, I'm a little nervous, but what are you thinking? Is this an opportunity for us to go after different accounts? Is this, and I just asked a lot of questions and Monday morning, I get an email. This was Friday afternoon, Monday morning, I get an email, one line on the email that says from the CEO, Hey, can you come to my office? I need five minutes. And I think, 
oh God, did I drink too much at the happy hour? I'm tired. <laughs> and I go into his office and he says, Hey, um, I know the account's leaving. We actually, our head of BD, our business development head is leaving. And I think you could be really awesome at that. You're totally young. My executive team thinks I'm crazy uh, to, to do this, but I think that you have the skills and the questions you asked on Friday, they showed me that you're, you know, you're thinking bigger. Do you want to potentially take that and I'll train you myself? Wow. So that was I what an I, opportunity. Yeah, I was 23. I worked for the CEO. From that point on, I've only worked for CEO. So it's a blessing and a curse. We can dig into that. But <laughs> um, and I was so grateful that somebody chose to to pour into me that way. And you know, I I learned a lot, and it was not what I thought I was going to do, but it put me on the path I'm on today. Well, again, there's another opening door, right? So Friday, you were just concerned about your job, going in, trying to find some information. And here's, here's the person that can give you the real scoop, right? Not knowing you were interviewing for a job, not knowing this thing was going to be open um, and probably not something that you were thinking about wanting to do, but now you, you've made a mentor I met a mentor and, you know, you were able to learn from somebody very senior that um, can kind of help guide you to do some of the things that um, would, would give you success, right? Totally. It was, I mean, it was the best thing that I could have done in the company. You know, there were some emerging areas they were looking to pursue. I got to work with our senior leaders. I was exposed to things. And did I understand it all? Absolutely not. Did I mm -hmm. screw things up? Absolutely at times. But did I also, you know, grow and learn and, and become this, you know, salesperson, business development professional and, and become so polished? That was like the, the cornerstone. And I had somebody that was willing to give I learned a lot about being a good manager then too, because, you know, how do you, if you're familiar with the book, Radical Candor, it's established that you care deeply while also giving very honest advice. And that was something he was very good at. And so I, I, I valued it so much of just anything from, hey, you're a woman in this meeting and just be aware this is maybe something you need to overcome or you need to think about, or, hey, you know, you asked this question that really came across this way. You might want to try it this way instead, or mm -hmm. have you thought about this? And so that coaching mechanism, it was, um, it was huge. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, for the mentor to your point that I still keep, you know, in close contact with today. Now oh, that's great. So how long were you at, um, at that particular job? I was in that, at that job for about three years. Okay. Yep. And then um, at the end of that, were there things you were thinking, hey, you know what? I've grown a lot here. I want to start doing something different. What was, what was the thinking as you um, were potentially weighing other opportunities? Yeah. So it was in the marketing space. Um, and at the time, I, again, you know, thinking about what I enjoyed about it back at NBC, the companies amidst change. I was seeing that a lot of our customers who were retailers, this is as the Amazon effect is really taking hold in the sense that a lot of retailers were figuring out how do they navigate going digital first? Or what does omni-channel strategy look like? How do you take care of your brick and mortar? So it was companies amidst change again. Mm -hmm. And I really was fascinated by it. And I felt like marketing often was the recipient of ideas, but they weren't necessarily at the table when all the ideas were being made. Interesting. And so I, I thought about consulting. I thought about going to work for a brand. And I was, um, I had some mentors, the woman who was in the previous business development role, I, I reached out to her. And the thing is, I would say is, you cannot have too many mentors, you cannot, you know, buy too many people coffee and just tell them your story and ask to hear theirs without expecting anything in return like that. That is so valuable. And I just did a lot of that. So the woman that um, actually I'd taken over her role, I was talking to her about this and said, 
I just don't know what might be next. I think I should get closer into technology because technology is really going into all parts of business, right? I don't really know what that looks like, but I think that could be interesting. She then referred me to um, a, a former head of business development here in Atlanta. His name is Joe Kaufman. You may know Joe. He's, he's so well-connected here in town. Mm-hmm. And I, I just began to learn from Joe. I thought that he was so savvy. He knew so many people and he was just this great connector and connected people without any sort of goal of anything, anything in return, but it was just his brand he was building. Mm-hmm. And he connected me with um, a CEO of the company that I, I just left that was in the technology space. They were in the product space. And I thought, you know what, if I could learn, if I know marketing and I can learn technology and begin getting exposed to business, I'm opening up more doors. Again, I have no idea what I want to do, still figuring that out. Um, and But I knew I could begin to understand what I may want to do or not want to do in this next role. So that was the that was the move. I took yeah. over outbound business development for them, and there's lots of lessons within within my past journey at three five two. But um, I they had never had outbound business development. They at the time were about fifteen sixteen years old, and to never have outbound sales as a function was pretty impressive. However, they were going through change, right? As, as the market was changing, technology was becoming more commoditized development, and so the things that had been super unique in the past we're beginning to be less unique. And so what I've learned about myself is that I'm really good if there's, uh, you know, like if you have like a knit blanket, there's like a little piece pulled and you're like beginning to unravel, like that's where I am really good at coming in. It's like, what's going on here? And then I can dig, I can get the answers, I can help, you know, figure out what's next and be a catalyst for that. And so what I've realized is it's not so much what is the title I'm chasing or, you know, the role I'm chasing, but really what is the function of, of the, the job or the work to be done? Mm-hmm. And if I can have some essence of that where there's a catalyst for something, that's where I really, I, I maximize, so to speak. That's great. And I know we could, we talked for probably another hour about all the oh great work gosh. you did at 352, but I'm curious about one thing. So the, the enterprise innovation concept that, that mm-hmm. you would come up with and helped to sort of get off the ground is now off the record, but Tell me a little bit about how that sort of got sprung up and, and um, what you did to make it a success. Yeah. So um, I went back to three, I went to three, five, two, and we realized that a lot of our projects were coming late stage, right? Come build the thing, come help us with go to market. But there were all of these ideas that, you know, and, and Paul, you've worked in this space too, but there are bad ideas. Like you guys should not build this. This is not something you should go down yeah. the path on. And we just had this hunch I can't remember who it was. It, it wasn't me, but they, they said, I wonder if our hypothesis is there's a lot of bad ideas. What if we got it earlier stage? Because we've been around a lot. We've seen a lot and we helped companies get better ideas. And we also realized that the sales process, they often had a consultant early stage. And if there was someone that could build and think early stage, they would never come to us. So we said, could this be like a market defensibility? And that was really the, if you think about the nit blanket, that was like the pull, like, hey, there's something there. Mm-hmm. And so I used my journalism skills and I said, let's go out and talk to customers. So we did an experiment. We said, you know, we think storytelling could be really compelling because there's business community or there's marketing communities there's technology communities and there's business or CEO communities, but there's not really communities built around change. Like what it means to drive change in an organization. And I bet there's a lot of stories to tell because nobody's talking about it, at least not in any sort of systematic, systematic way. And so we said, can we have a unique voice? And so I went out um, and that was in 2016. I interviewed um, 50 people that had innovation or new venture or strategy in their title. 
And I literally reached out on LinkedIn, said, you know, hey, Paul, my name is Casey. Um, I lead sales and strategy at 352. I'm really interested in this thing called innovation that's emerging. And I'd love to talk to you about your journey. Um, we think there could be a community around people that are driving change and wondering if you'd like to be a part of it. So think about it, right? A little bit of FOMO, right? Don't, don't right. miss out. We're creating yeah. something. <laughs> Everybody loves to share their story, mentorship, but it's, it's finest, you know, yes, you're giving, but I, my experience is it's also really rewarding to be able to share that. And, um, people also just needed, they needed these stories. So we, we joked that it was collaboration. Um, uh, commiseration, like, you know, some of it was, was, it was like, you know, it was, you know, telling those stories and being in the trenches. And so, um, we, that was 2016. And so it started out as an experiment. I reached out to 50 people. Most of them said, yes, 30 people, you know, came to our first event and we said, can we just help tell these stories? So it very much pulled on a lot of my journalism. And it's great when you can pull on the things that, that you loved about what, you know, your original passions, but they have new applications. And that to me has been so cool. I'm sure you're seeing some of this now with your, your podcasting, you were saying you were fascinated around like the technology of it and how yep. does it made and, and it's just like, it's, it's nourishing in different ways. And then to be able to have business impact from it was really cool. So 2016, we start the event series. Um, it was what we, you know, I jokingly called our five to nine job because we would do our day job, right? Sales and <laughs> development. And then we'd all go pick up dinner and come back to the office and, and see if we could build this thing. We had, you know, it was research. It was, uh, marketing and storytelling. And then that grew today. It's about 600 members here in Atlanta. We have some members, you know, broader in the Southeast and the U S but really focused on Atlanta. Um, I think that, you know, we have one of the most recognizable brands around innovation and change management. Uh, probably about 30% of our network has asked to work for us, does work for us, or we've helped land their next job. So there was just so many things that came from this that, you know, were organic to, to the growth, but also helped directly affect our bottom line of, of bringing in this kind of work. And so um, it became a speaker series, monthly speaker series. You know, we joke it was off the record, but in quarantine, it became on the record when everything was on Zoom and recorded. Yeah. And then um, we we began to do, you know, offshoots of that. We just observed what the audience wanted. We created invite-only executive roundtables, which I believe you and, and actually your wife have been a part of, the ones that we did around education. And mm-hmm. um we started doing office hours because people said, Hey, you're so connected. Can you guys come in and just give us advice on what's happening in the market? So we were able to take this. And, and a lot of that, you know, I was the face of, I was the storyteller. I was um, the business developer and strategist behind that. And so it was, it, it opened doors that I could not have drafted. But when I go back and think about who I wanted to be, you know, when I was 18, 16, whatever number in my head, I wanted to be a businesswoman. I wanted to be a connector. I wanted to be known. I wanted to um, be a trusted advisor. And I got to do all those things, but it wasn't on TV at a news station. And so it was pretty cool to see that come full circle through that. Through that yeah, it, it's, it is, um, you know, the, the journey is not always as you plan, but it's, it's great to see some of the you know, original interests that you have, your training and your education. And then the, your experiences through work and now I've kind of tied that back. And I think, you know, the idea that you came up with was really just, hey, and I'm simplifying this, but, you know, how do we get involved early, right? So these are bad ideas that we're, we're dealt with. And now we have to figure out how to make us, you know, polishing up a not so nice object, right? And um, the, I think the side benefit, this is where I saw is that this became a networking platform. You know, people would show up to say, okay, I want to hear what this person from AT&T or this person from Macy's or whoever but then you sit down and go, all right, this gentleman next to me or this, this, um, this woman next to me, you know, what are we, 
we have in common here. So what do you do? And, and then you start talking about it and you go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm frustrated by that too. Yeah, our culture's not, not uh, really um, uh, absorbing some of the change that we want and how do we sort of, you know, maybe strategize together about how to fix that. And so there's folks I've met at some of those events that was, you know, completely probably not intentional to say, oh yeah, we're going to be this altruistic platform for the Atlanta business community to be able to help their own problems, right? But it, that's what you created. I think it was fantastic. I, I appreciate that and love that. And, you know, this is a, this is a testament to what that was, right? You and I met through that community yeah. and have stayed in touch and, and through different roles and, and different parts of our life. And then now coming together to tell these stories. So I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, what I, I did some work simultaneously with this, with a coach, you know, on my, my own of understanding how does this all tie together? Right. I think that as people we're always in search of meaning, and there were three things that came out of it that, that I need in my world to, to feel like I'm doing the right work. And it's connect people, create value, and change what it means to be a woman in business. And I'm very fortunate that for the past six years and, and hopefully in whatever's next, I've gotten to do, I've gotten to do those three things. And it, it became a lot more of a fulfilling way to goal set versus I want to have this title or I want to make this amount of money because those are, when you achieve them, they're fleeting. But if you have those, those sliding scales of, am I connecting and creating the most value here? Am I changing what it means to be a woman in business and, and holding yourself to those in whatever situation? It just, I, I found a lot more fulfillment in the work versus chasing, you know, something very specific. That's great. And it's, it's good to have sort of that, that, that true north and those core values to kind of know if I make a decision, is it adding to one of these three? And I think for certainly for younger people, I think they struggle a little bit with, I don't know what my core values are. And it's not like you need to have that, you know, on your 18th birthday, I think. And, and some of those can change too, right? So as you build up your education and your experience, you start to figure out, like you said earlier, I know what I don't want to do. I mean, that's, that's been my my method for most of my career is like, you know, I, I thought this would be great. Don't like it. Okay. What else can we do? What can we pick up from this? What'd you take from this job or from this class or from this school? And how do you apply it to something in, in your future? So I think having those core values is really helpful. Understanding your strengths, really helpful, but don't expect it to happen overnight. Um, I think talking to a lot of people and you've certainly sought out some, some experts and, you know, some, some seasoned people that can give you some great advice, but I think that's really, really critical for you to, to figure out, not you, but everybody. Oh my gosh. It's, it's the most valuable, it's the most difficult work, right? I yeah. mean, all of us finding the time to do it intentionality, it, it, it's hard. Um, but the, the work I've done and, you know, I, I spent the money when maybe I didn't have it as much to, to do, but it was the most valuable investment on a personal mm-hmm. coach that I've ever, ever made was that money I spent because the return, you know, both in happiness, but also in financial return that I got out of my career. It's, I can't recommend it enough. And I think oftentimes, especially young people, they think, Oh my God, I need a coach when I'm like, when I'm older and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's my next move or how do I become the CEO? But the answer is we can all use that at any point in time, just that reflection and, and being able to do it. And I find that, you know, most people don't. So the ability that you do, it shows initiative. And a lot of times, you know, employers and, and the people around you, that's something they become, they admire so much that you just took the action and initiative to, to be self-reflective. Yeah, that's great. And I know uh, the, the future's open for you. I don't know if there's anything you want to want to chat about today, or we can use it as a follow-up to kind of hear what, what Casey's doing next, because I can't wait to hear, but 
Oh um, my gosh. I, <laughs> I'm five days in officially five business days in of, of not having a role. And, um, you know, I, you may have had moments of like this in, in your life, but it was, you know, Monday I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what do I do with my hands? Like, uh-huh. it, you know, I'm doing my health <laughs> projects Tuesday. It's existential crisis Wednesday. It's, I'm, you know, so it, it's funny that just five days, it's um, already so transformative, but no, right now I've committed to taking off through the rest of the year. So it's, Great. it's late September. And my hope is that, you know, maybe in 2021, I figure out what's next. I'm, I'm exploring opportunities of working for people with people and, and maybe for myself. And I yeah. What that looks like, but I um, I'm doing doing the work, right? Doing the hard work of self reflection, and I I know again, it's not it's a privilege to be able to do this, especially in 2020 when a lot of people you know don't don't have the luxury or are forced into to sabbatical. But I I'm very fortunate that that I have this moment in time, and I do not want to squander it. So I'd love to to pick it up. There's a whole journey we could do around uh, my point to get here, and and probably <laughs> probably it could be a conversation within itself. That'd be great. I think we could start a series on this, but you've, totally. you've never backed down from a challenge. Um, I know you're a hard worker and that you're willing to do what it takes to, uh, to exceed in whatever you put your mind to it. So I know whatever you're going to do next is going to be fantastic. So I'd like to end these with um, just kind of a question. If you could go back in time, you know, what would you change? What, what advice would you give yourself? Great. Enjoy it more. Is that uh I, I was so eager. I, I, you know, this is the first time in probably my life that I've just sat, that I've been present. And you think about, especially the way education is wired today, high school, it's all, it starts, you know, when they're, they're in eighth grade, if not sooner, what college are you going to go to? And then there's this race to the end and getting into college. And then college is, you know, what courses do you take? What extracurriculars? What, um, what job are you going to get? Job placement. And the thing is, is that it all feels so monumental at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm you're 25, it all comes out in the wash, no matter where you like what school you went to. And yes, all of those things, like they are great inherent character traits, but you can enjoy it along the way too. It doesn't have to be the hustle. It doesn't have to be the grind. It doesn't have to be that you, you know, you're just chasing what's next. So if I, if I could go back and tell my younger self is listen, it's all, you're all going to come out in the wash. Like the, the comparative, you know, chase is it's, it's not worth it. And there's probably um, a lot more fun to be had along the way because you only, you only get to be young once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really, uh, that's really great advice. And I know I'm thinking through like my background and there was always sort of like, what's next, you know, I need to get yeah. to the next one, get to the next one. And, you know, if you kind of take some time and enjoy this, that, Hey, you know what, you, you don't have a job, you don't have um, kids, you don't have a mortgage, you know, all these things you don't have right now. So just, just roll with it. And, you know, even the plans that you think you're forming mentally, they're probably not going to work out exactly like you figured it out. So if you could just be flexible, you know, that certainly helps a lot. Absolutely. And, and any of the things, any of the wonderful things that have happened, like moving to Atlanta, I met my husband, my family lives here now. I got awesome jobs. I've had so much growth. It was better than I could have ever planned if I tried to script it on paper. Right. If I tried to script out what New York would have been, it was so, it's so much richer, my life in general, not just professionally. And so I, I have trusted in that. And I think that just comes from experience, right? Is, is a couple of times it works out in your favor. And then you're like, listen, I can't even plan this. So let me just do the best I can with what I have right in front of me and, you know, and show up in a good way, but there better things are, are on the horizon better than any of us could imagine. 
Well put. And uh, always the storyteller, Casey. So I think you've, you've outlined some really great things today. I appreciate your time. Um, thanks for connecting. And we will do this again for sure. I can't wait. Thank you for putting this together. I love hearing people's stories. It's, it's going to be good fodder for me during my, my self-inflicted <laughs> sabbatical. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Casey, thanks. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.